Cooper. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. Not to tell you people, I, uh, I got in some arguments with some friends on Facebook this weekend because, well, actually on uh, Sunday night, because you know I'm a big Eagles fan and the Eagles lost to the Cowboys. I'm fine with that. You know, even though they should have won, but it's, I'm okay. But I had a problem that Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, was in Dallas's box. And people are saying, you know, oh, you can, you can root for any sports team you want. Well, the thing is, you know, I grew up 10 minutes from Philadelphia in South Jersey and I'm an Eagles fan. A lot of my friends from college are from North Jersey. They're Giants fans. We hate each other's teams. We hate the Eagles, hate Giants fans. But when they play the Cowboys, you hate the Cowboys. And people are sitting there going, oh, that you're just pissed that the Eagles lost and you know the governor can uh, root for whoever he wants. My feeling is no, because you are the governor of the state of New Jersey. And you know everyone hates that team. You should not be in the owner's booth. And it just irritated me. But anyway, enough about that. I just, I'm getting over that. It was just been bothering me. Some guy was yelling at me on Facebook, a guy, you know, and I'm like, dude, you're wrong. You know, I can tell you've never been in politics. He's like, well, there's Niners fans in New Jersey. And I said, that's fine. You can be whatever fan you want. However, when you are the governor, represent your state because they voted you in. But he's going to be running for president, so it doesn't bother him. Anyway, we have a great guest today, a very funny guy. He, uh, he, was, very, he was very good. I sent him a text because I was running late, and he was very nice to go, go come and wait for a little bit. And now he's here. It's uh, Lance Barber. How are you doing, Lance? Hey, I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me. Now, are you a sports fan? Not a bit at all. Okay. We can talk about it as much as you like, but no, I, I couldn't be more indifferent to uh, professional athletics, to be honest. The only thing I get into is uh, I grew up with hockey a little bit, and I have some friends that are diehard uh, Detroit fans, and uh, I'll go see the Kings play the Wings if they're in town, and I enjoy that, but uh, I don't follow it all. I was the kid that while they were outside playing football, I was the kid inside uh, singing show tunes in my bedroom. Well, because so. you grew up in Michigan. I did, yeah, and uh, and sports was a big part of that uh, that state and that community, but uh, I happened to be distant from it somehow. Yeah. Now you said you know you were a kid, you know, singing show tunes and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, at, at what age did you sit there and decide? At what age did you get have the fascination with entertainment? And were your parents involved with entertainment at all? Not at all. No, I grew up in the Midwest and with a single mother and blue collar uh, family. I grew up in Battle Creek, Michigan. It's a factory town. You know. Uh, where they make the cereal, cereal capital USA. You familiar with Kellogg's and Post and oh, Boston yeah. Purina? That's what I'd smell in the air every day. That's an amazing smell because I remember I performed in Cedar Rapids. Yes. And uh, I remember it was a comedy club and I remember getting uh, the other comic picked me up at the airport. And it, they were making Cocoa Puffs that day. Yes. And and it's weird because you're driving and you're sitting there and you don't, you know, you hear there's cereal from there, but I mean, you grew up with it and you probably got used to it, but you don't, you don't think, oh, and then you sit there and you go, holy crap, the whole town smells like Cocoa Puffs. Absolutely. You could tell when they were cooking uh, corn or rice or wheat cereals, you know, when they were cooking the cocoa cereals, you could smell it, the fruit cereals. And, uh, and you knew when they burned a batch right. too, because it was uh, caustic, but uh, it was kind of a magical kind of a, make for kind of a magical uh, American environment, you know, you, there was always a distant train because there was factories, so trains were coming in and out of that place all the time. So there was the sound of a distant train, and it was very American romantic place to grow up, you know. I uh, I had a nice upbringing there. I was happy to get out, but uh, I still have family there, and I love to visit. Now, when did you start? Did as a kid, did you watch a lot of TV? I mean, what, what? absolutely, it was the seventies and, and the eighties, and I think a lot of our generation grew up in front of the television for sure. What were some of the shows you were watching? I mean, what are the shows that actually you sat there? Like you, you talk, like when you talk to comics, stand ups, they go, "Oh, well, you know, I heard Carlin's album." And you talk to different actors, and they right. say, "This was there certain TV?" I mean, I guess because you're younger than me, so you probably were watching Family Ties and stuff like that. Were absolutely. I mean, the, the earliest things that turned me on that I remember were we're in the seventies still. It was Welcome Back, Cotter. And happy days. I mean, I wanted to be Fonzie, and I wanted to be Vinnie Barbarino. I remember that clearly. And uh, and from there, it went on to the 80s uh, onslaught of wonderful sitcom television, uh, including Family Ties and The Cosby Show. I know, and uh, it's incredible, right? And you know what's amazing about that is, and, and you hear that people are just, you know, there's always a dark side, and anyone. But what's amazing to me about this whole thing is, it's just... The hubris they have, the hubris. They just, they're, they're, yes. they, they, it's like, like he he called he just called out the um, Cosby just called out the white media 
Yes. And now the African-American media just shot back and said, no, 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 no. If anyone's, we're going to be tougher on you because you're making the African-American community look bad. Right. It's just amazing. Cause, and we all grew up with them. And, I, and I'm older than you, but I remember, I love the Cosby Kids. I mean, I remember last year I bought the Bill Cosby Kids Christmas special where he's sitting there and, and there's a woman who's going to have the baby and he brings her into, hey, baby, you know, he brings him into the <laughs> <Yes>. house. <laughs> and now I'm like, I feel dirty watching it, but it's amazing that he is such a part of any, I mean, the genera- even the, like, the people older than us remember from I Spy. And it's just amazing. And for you, because you're involved in Hollywood, it, it must be just amazing. When you think back as a kid, you watch this and you think, what the hell? Well, that was a big deal. You have to learn to separate the art from the artist. And that's something I think you learn as you grow up, and especially when you get involved with the professional side of uh, show business. You know, um, There's people that you respect that you're disappointed in as human beings, you know, but you respect them for what they've done. I grew up with Cosby, not only in this show, but previously with Fat Albert's. Uh, the uh, cartoon, you recall, and my mom telling me, you know what that's based on? And she got me the, the cassette tapes at the time of the best of Bill Cosby, where he's doing the bits about uh, Fat Albert, which is where that cartoon Buck came Buck. from. Buck Buck, absolutely, yep. an old weird, old weird Herald. And, yeah, they were, right? they were they were brilliant and in my bedroom with tears running down my face as an eleven year old kid, and uh, so in, inspiring that stuff, you know. And then the Cosby Show was on television as well, and and uh, he was on a pedestal for sure in regards as a professional storyteller and, and and likable celebrity right for so many people and including me and it's uh it's certainly not uh it, it's it's hard to not be disappointed about yeah. uh and 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 before any of this came up there it, this is show business so there were plenty of rumors about uh his lifestyle and, and some of the things that he'd done uh to his family uh or just um with other <clears throat> women in his life, whether they were true or not, I'd already heard them. And so, uh, as with so many people, you can enjoy the art and still appreciate the art and separate it from the artist. So, so I was just, okay, yeah, and you're right. I mean, so but it's just hard when you sit there and go, because he's, he's, Everyone, he's been in our lives forever. I mean, it's, it's it's not like someone you know, like Michael J. Fox, you know, came into our lives, family ties. I was older than you, so he was he's my age. Yeah. So I watched him from being thing. For you, you're younger, so it's it's you thing. But everybody, I mean, Michael J. I mean, Bill Cosby's been involved in our lives forever. I mean, forever. I, I still have the cassette, the best of Bill Cosby, absolutely. the cassette where he's sitting there in the front and it's got an out like an outline, orange outline yes. on him. He's in the front. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's I, the first cassette yeah. I got, and I still have that. And that's what's amazing when you sit there and you go, wow, and you, you want it, but you go, shit, man. And you think, what was he doing when he was younger? I mean, like now he's older. It's like, it's like what was he doing when he was like 23 and 24 and popular? Because we know how we all get older and we mellow out. But I'm thinking, man, if people find stuff when he was 19 or when he started making it big. When he was hanging out at the Playboy Mansion. Exactly. What was going I mean, yeah. on in those days in Chicago, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're watching all these TV shows. Yeah. And now, when do you sit there and formulate in your mind that, hey, you know what, this is maybe this is something I want to do? Or did you have any idea? You start idea? performing like so many kids, I think. You start performing in your living room and in your bedroom and you're, and you're, and you're memorizing those comedy albums. And you're watching those TV shows and you're... Uh, and you're, you know, I'm, I, Grease comes on TV, and I'm Danny Zuko, and I, I took the paper off a white crayon and used it as the cigarette so I could be Danny Zuko in Grease and sing along with the show, you know. I just, uh, it was something I enjoyed doing, and I knew that I would eventually pursue it. I didn't until high school. As I say, in a blue-collar town... I'm sure the the acting, uh, it's not like, I grew up in a nice town where they had a, I wasn't involved in the theater in high school, but they had a great theater department. Right. I'm sure in, in uh, where, Battle Creek? Battle Creek is yeah. not progressive at all, for right. sure. I'm thinking it's for high pretty, school. pretty conservative, but I had a great family. I certainly had a uh, very liberal uh, mother who raised me and, and was very supportive of all that. She was the kind of the black sheep of the family, but even my family was very... Uh, all of them were incredibly supportive of uh, when I pursued this. So when you go into high school, do you sit there and go, okay, now there's an outlet. You see there's plays. So before, you, I mean, you think about it, you're in seventh and eighth grade. You can't. There's what, nothing. What yeah. am I going to do? There's some community theater, and I I, I didn't pursue it because I was scared to. I was still enjoying <laughs> uh, doing it for uh, the audience was my, my family. Right. You know. And that was uh, plenty. But I finally uh, was urged to in high school and did, and I didn't stop from there. You know, I still kept doing theater through college and regional and summer stock and all that stuff until I went to uh, Chicago when I was 21 to study at Second City. Now, where did you go to college? I went to a community college, Kellogg 
Community College. Oh, there you go. Kellogg Community College, and I have my associate's degree in the theater arts. Steve, thank you very much. There you go. Okay. Hey, that's so good, though. you're dealing with a true intellectual here. So so you, you get out of there. So what makes you decide to go to Chicago? Is that the only probably the only place you can go? <laughs> it was a compromise. I was dating a girl at the time and wanted to go to New York. I thought I wanted to go to L.A. And we said, why don't we try Chicago as a big city to give it a shot? I had some <coughs> friends there that were... Uh, I had some friends that were studying at Second City, and they said... I got there, and they said, you got to come see this show. And there was a show there called Pinata Full of Bees. It was kind of a... Uh, you know, watermark for their for that theater. Everything that followed that show kind of emulated that show. It was a kind of a change. And and I watched people like Adam McKay on stage doing that show and Tina Fey. And uh, I went to see this show. I had no intentions of uh, doing improvisation or sketch. I was going to go do the cool uh, small theater scene in okay. Chicago as an actor, right? Because there's plenty of that as well. I went and saw this show and was blown away at Second City, and I said, I've got to do that. And I didn't do anything but improv. I went to um, study with Del Close at Improv Olympic and uh, stayed at uh, Second City the entire five years that I was in Chicago and did nothing but sketch and improv. Yeah, And, uh, and it proved to behoove my career because that stuff on a resume is uh, pretty helpful out here. Now, did you get into the, how fast did you, till you got into the circulation of Second City? Because I know it's not... Oh, it's forever. I mean, it's a school and it's a business. They, they take their time running you through their conservatory program and they'll take your money a little lo- longer than they need to. And there's, it's a theater and it's a business, so there's plenty of politics. I took a long time of being on short lists of trying to get into their theater companies for a lot of years. And then I got some attention elsewhere. I started doing commercials locally, and, uh, and uh, I got to be a bit of a working hot thing for a second in Chicago, and then they decided they wanted me. And when they did, I they offered me a job in the touring company to finally join the company. I'd done some uh, a couple shows uh, for them with, as a understudy. And they offered me, and I said, too bad, I'm going to L.A. already. And that felt good. That was some vindication. Well, the sure. touring company also, it's like, it's, you're, you're going to small, I mean, I've heard that, the thing about the touring company I've heard is, and you know this, is in one night you'll play at a college and then the next night you'll play at a bar mitzvah in some Yes, you know, it's a stepping stone to get on the stage at Second City for sure. And I think people have had good experiences in the touring company uh, for sure. Uh, and you are working for Second City, you can put that on your resume as a Second City because uh, I worked in the box office. <laughs> That's where I worked at Second City. Otherwise, I studied there. But I can because I was offered the job and I did understudy. I, I was able to put that on my resume, honestly. I never I never worked the stage except as an understudy a couple times at Second City. Now, you were doing some commercials, you said, in, yeah. in Chicago. Were you also getting any, like, TV parts? Because I know Chicago, there's a lot of stuff being shot. I don't know if it was right. At the time, there was. And there's not so much anymore. And it was it was already, it had already dwindled some. But they were coming to Chicago to look for people in the improv community, like they always do, in the acting community, for television in L.A. And I went to, I was flown to L.A. twice to uh, to audition for a couple of different uh, shows. I auditioned for this uh, Im- improvisational sketch show that Steve Martin was involved with. And I, I flew out to L.A. and got to do an audition in front of Steve Martin. What is that Power like? Channel, it was called. And it was very short-lived. And I think he didn't continue to have anything to do with it. And it was done. But, uh, but... Was, what was that like, though? Because you're, you're, you're and, and, that was intense. You know? I mean, you're I was, auditioning uh, for Steve Martin. He's in the room. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, uh, yeah, it was that was a little overwhelming because he's talking about somebody on a pedestal for people in our career, certainly in comedy and, and the history that he's had. It was, um, you know, I, I could have shit, I could have crapped myself, you know. Oh, yeah, because yeah. I mean, it's your, it's because all of us were Steve. I mean, Steve Martin's been, you know, he's me. the other one that had the album with the waitress, you yep. know, you know, that album cover. And I have, those. I had, I listened to all, got all those. There was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, men's yeah. underwear, one of my favorite yeah, bits, just, of course. It was crazy, yeah. And uh, so, so walking in was like that was my introduction to LA, too. I'm like, is it like this? So, you'd, you'd never been here, celebrities. You had never been they here before. Fl- they flew me out, I hadn't been here before. Wow, I, I drove across country doing a hippie, fun thing with my buddy, a road trip, and um. When I was 19, and we came through L.A. for a couple days. That was the only time I'd been in this town. And when they flew me out, I went to CBS Radford. They picked me up in the car and took me in, and I went into a room, and there was Steve Martin. So you do that, and then you're still living in Chicago. Yep. So at what point do you decide, do you say, you know what, I need to go to L.A.? Because you, you, you said you came I back a second I was already ready. Yeah, I was ready to go. Then I had plans. It was just a month or two down the road uh, when my lease was up, basically, and I was going to go. But these opportunities came before I was ready to go. I knew I was going. I'd also been doing a stand-up act, kind of. I did a guitar act, and I was doing the festival uh, things there in sh- Chicago. I did the Chicago, Chicago Comedy Festival, and a guy named... <clears throat> 
<clears throat> excuse me, a guy named Joel Zadak, who's my still my manager after um, 15 years, uh, saw me do my act, at, and he said, if you're coming, whenever you come to L.A., I'll represent you. I'm working for Power Entertainment at the time, it was called. He's now at a place called Prince Potter Young. And uh, Joel took me on, and I had, so when I went to L.A., I had representation. See, that's always everyone said. That's such a big that hurdle. I didn't have to get over once I was in town. It was an incredible yeah, well, good. Uh, boon for me. Yeah, a lot of people sit there and they before they even think about getting an apartment, they want to get representation. Absolutely. You know I mean? so, so now uh, you come out here, you, you drive out. I did not. No, I flew out. Okay, I flew out. I I, sh I shipped boxes and flew out. Where'd you find a place to stay? I had a friend who was a newlywed. His name's Kirker Butler. He's been a very successful writer out here, and we were all starting at the same time. He and his wife had a little place in Burbank on Hollywood Way, okay. and they had an extra room, and they needed... Uh, so I lived... Uh, I was the weird uh, roommate <laughs> to this newlywed couple uh, for the first year in L.A. In, in Burbank, right across from the ranch there at Warner Brothers. Okay. So, so oh, is, it, was it, is that in that... Uh is that complex? Wait, I'm trying to think. No, I know that. There's all those little bungalows right okay. on Hollywood Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always drive by them. You always wonder who lives in there. Because that's one of those things. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny because you, you did comedy, but I saw, well, you, right across from the studio, there's these uh, furnished apartments. Yes. Right there. And there's another one down there. Well, I was watching a documentary on Bill Hicks. Yes. Great comic. Mm -hmm. And... I remember that it showed he lived in one of these two buildings. So I, I froze it. I paused it. I'm like, wait, which one is it? And it's just weird because you think, who lived in there? And years ago, Hicks lived in there. Like Everybody buddy. lived in there. That's exactly. who lived in there. Yeah, yeah. One time when we were all struggling. Yeah, so, so you get out here. You have you have representation, which helps. You yeah. have a place to stay. So but then what do you do? I mean, do you, do you sit there? Do you start trying to do improv out here? Or, or do you sit there and you start... I had immersed myself so much in it, in the improv, and it was on the resume. That was all the auditions I was getting. It was big in TV still. There was, uh, there was uh, Whose Line was on television still, and uh, they were trying all kinds of improv-type TV shows, and so I had a lot of auditions for those. I did it. One of my first regular gigs was the WB. did a show called On the Spot. It was an improv sitcom. Okay. And... Uh, and uh, I was part of that pilot. They recast it. They did the whole show as part of the six episodes. Only five aired. But that was my first, like, regular job. That must have been and great, it was, though. It was phenomenal because I worked with the likes of Tim Conway and uh, and, and some old Second City guys like Brian Doyle Murray. And, uh, and uh, we had all kinds of guest spots like Jack Black and... Um, but it was it was phenomenal, uh, fun for sure. It was my first you know first or second year in Los Angeles, and I'm having a ball in the Warner Brothers lot, doing improv with Tim Conway. That must have been great for you because, as you said, you loved all this TV, and of course we all watched the Carol Burnett show. Of course, and yeah. it must be amazing because you're not out here that long. You turn down the touring for the Second City, so yeah. you sit there and go, okay, you know, so you're showing a little balls because a lot of people would have just jumped at that opportunity. I mean, for you sure. think about it. <clears throat> so you get out here. And now you're on a set. I mean, was it? I mean, you did some other bit parts before that, but how did how did how is <laughs> yeah. it? I mean, I my, saw ER and I saw. Yeah, my you know, first my first job was ER. And I got my legs broken. I had like one line, and a guy breaks my legs on a table, uh, and uh, but that but but then that was there was only a couple jobs before I got this thing, this on the spot gig, and yeah, it was that was overwhelming and magical. It was because it was the Warner Brothers lot, which is such a classic lot. Oh, yeah. It's the one you see in all the movies and, and it has the plaques on the buildings, you know, all the all the things that have been filmed in each one of the When you walk stages. by and you right. see it, you go, Oh my God, you right. know. Right, and I'm on the well, they did East of Eden here. I'm on this sound stage Laverne and Shirley for you know. And it's uh <laughs> and uh, and I you know, I and I still it's that's not lost on me. When I'm I work rare enough that uh, I still get tickled to work, and I and I love um, all the Hollywood stuff that uh, I dreamed about when I was a kid, for sure. No, it must have been. I mean, it must have been great that you got this role that very quick. But then, how did you deal with it? Because you're still new in the business. When the show gets canceled, did it did it did it bum you out, or did you say, "Oh well, it happens," or did you sit there and go, "Well, you know, I should be happy enough because I got this opportunity, and I got to work with Tim Conway and all these amazing people." I certainly can get to, can get to that place pretty quickly and appreciate <coughs> what I've had. Uh, certainly not. Uh, I wasn't thrilled. I was. We were all bummed that because uh, uh, you want to blow up right out of the gate out here, you know. And it was right back to um, struggling, and it you know it still is. <laughs> I mean, in between jobs. It's still, I'm still a working actor and waiting for the next thing and have your you know, struggles. I, I've certainly been lucky and, and built a better career and have more opportunities than I did then, but it's the same thing. So I, I garnered an attitude right away uh, about how to deal with the way this business works. For now, now, 
when you're doing that on spot and after it got done, were you also going off for commercial auditions? No, I wasn't. Uh, I guess I had a commercial agent eventually out here, for sure. And I recall being uh, <laughs> regarding commercial agents. I did the I did a show when I did the first season of The Comeback. I got big for my britches. It was an HBO show, and I thought, boy, I'm going to blow up after this. Um, and I'm not going to do commercials anymore. I don't want to be the guy that's the, the actor that's on commercials right now because I'm trying to cultivate this new image as a as a guy that's on edgy cable comedy. Right. right. I'm that guy now. No thanks. I won't take any. Couple years later, and I haven't worked, and I've got a kids coming. I'm begging my manager to find me a new uh, commercial agent, right? Because. Uh, I'd kill for a Kentucky Fried Chicken ad. Have you done a lot of commercials? I haven't done a single one since I've been in L.A. Never, never. And I can go but out. You I have a good go commercial out. look, though. I could see you being. I in do, and I don't know what it is. I can't. I can't get them to uh, hire me to save my life in those in those rooms. Those and I go out quite a bit. Still, uh, I mean, occasionally I go out, but uh, uh, yeah, I have yet to do that. So after the spot, you're jumping around, you're, you're auditioning for different stuff. Are, yeah. you, are you getting any pilots at the, at the time during that time? Or are you just Yeah, after that, uh, I had a great run the first few years I was out here in regards to like uh, booking pilots that didn't go anywhere. That classic Hollywood story, right? And I got a bunch of those. Each year, I, I tested at least once, if not twice, f- for things. And when you test, you up your uh, you know, pay grade each time. And I built up this rep- you know, reputation as somebody that was testing, and, and it that brought more opportunity each pilot season, and uh, and I had a good run all the way up until I got the comeback. Uh, I didn't have anything that was on TV. I didn't have anything that made it, but each year I, I was making a decent living at least. I, it- I had the lean times like any actor, and I... Uh, the second year I was here, I lived on a buddy's floor and slept on his roof and in my car for, you know... And, uh, three or four months before I got an apartment. I have that story. I have that L.A. story of being completely broken, uh, you know, uh, sleeping in a car. But uh, but it, luckily it was short-lived, for sure. Now you were on Californication. Yes. Now, okay, I, I love that show. Yes. I, I think, and I've heard Duchovny's just cool. And I, yeah, Duchovny is, couldn't be more Duchovny-ish. I mean, he couldn't be more, like, uh, low-key. I heard he played, I heard he played, College, but he went to Princeton. He's like an Ivy League guy. He's a, yeah, I think he's a so. Smart guy. Yeah, yeah, he is. A, no, he's very bright. He's so now, how did, how did that role come about? Did you were you familiar with the show? That or? was the comeback. That was right off the heels of it, and I got offered that part because um, it was a super creepy role, and I had uh, obviously impressed somebody with my previous super creepy role in the comeback, and they offered me this role as a as a pedophile teacher, and uh, of course I jumped at that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and I was. Uh, <laughs> I recall being dis- – I, I struggled with that because I, they, they offered me five episodes, and I wished that I was – I had done five. I was leaving the country with my wife, uh, and I couldn't change – I, I decided, I guess, not to change that trip. It was too hard to do. And I got to do the three episodes, and I'm so thankful uh, to have gotten those and wish that I could have done the five that they offered me. So, yeah, it was a cool show to be on. Now, what is that when, they, when you read for that – and they say, okay, you know, yeah, okay, hey, uh, your manager goes, okay, we got an audition. Okay, what is it? Uh, you, you're going to play a pedophile teacher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what you, and you're like, uh, now how do you sit there? Because, first of all, you know that there's a lot of people who can't separate TV from real life. And, yeah, well, for sure. And, I've experienced and, that already, yeah. And now when you're playing at such a pedophile, like one of the, I mean, it's like, you know, that's one of the worst roles you can play. Absolutely. Or that or a serial rapist. Yep. And I had a guest on who, you know, people came up to him. He played a rapist on SVU. And they're like, oh, you're disgusting. And he's like, oh, it, was, it was a role. Now, for you. I- you've heard, I've heard stories about people that have uh, too good at that bad guy role, that creepy killer or rapist or pedophile. And they can't get work because of it. Because it was too uh, off-putting. Intense. And it was too intense. So now, how do, you put, how do you put yourself up for that kind of role? What do you sit there and say? Okay, I'm just an actor. I got to do this. Or is it, you know. Well, I, I mean, you jump at a like that. I couldn't think like that, that it was going to ruin my career. It was a shot on another cable station with another edgy cable show, and it was offered to me. I didn't have to read for it, but I did, of course I read the script and decided I would be happy to play this uh, pedophile. Um, and there was an, it's, a, it's, it's very dark, but it's a comedy. And so there was an edgy comedy to the thing that I appreciated, and... And I, uh, I never once thought that it might uh, end my career. Not that it's people, how people would react to you. But I already had the, the precedent of the comeback, which, pe- which people um, really found caustic my character and, and, and were moved to hate me and, and talk about uh, 
consider that that silly notion that maybe I'm like my character, and uh, and and uh, and I already experienced that, and I thought ultimately that's probably good for my career. You know, um, at least in the business, people are going to know. The people in the business know oh, that's yeah. not the case, and they're going to hire me because I did that good of a job. Hopefully, well, you look you look through your resume, and you've you've worked some great shows, and you've worked with a lot of you know good actors. I mean, you know, you sit there, you, you were on Monk. I mean, the bottom line is, if you work with Tony Shalhoub, absolutely, that must just be amazing, just because. I mean, even I loved him when he was in Wings. People, yes, yeah. people forget Wings was one of the funniest shows, and Tim Daly and Stephen Weber. Absolutely. It, everyone on that show is great, and it's one of those things. You see Shalhoub, and even I don't know if you've seen the movie Big Night, which he plays. Of course, the, yes, I yes. Mean, him and, it, and him and Tucci are yeah, incredible in that movie. And yeah. it's amazing. So, I mean, that must be awesome for you because, you know, you are a kid of TV. And then you get to work with these people that you see. I mean, it must be it every must time be. it's a dream come true. Like I said, none of that stuff's lost on me. I get tickled to death about that. I'm 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 not. <clears throat> I have yet to become too cool for school in, in regards to like working with people that I admire. You know, um, it has been. I've had a lot of those experiences. I've been lucky to have a number of those experiences, and, and Shalhoub certainly was one. Uh, somebody that I admired greatly. As a, certainly as a character actor, he's a Midwest guy, and you get on set, and he is couldn't be more pleasant and uh, and fantastic to be around and uh, and supportive. Uh, I recall him giving me a laugh and and uh, and uh, and happy to just to talk, just to bullshit, you know, with you. So um, it was. Uh, that felt good to have those under my belt and and feel like I'm to feel like you're in the game when you're when you're playing with those people. Well, I remember you know after I saw you on the comeback and then I saw you on this year's comeback you know, thing and I, I remember when I looked at your resume I remember seeing you on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, yeah. Bill Ponderosa because I like that show just because I grew up near Philadelphia and I I haven't watched it lately <laughs> yeah. but I mean yeah. I I know like the bar area and and I I you know I, I watched the first three or four seasons and it just made me laugh. But now, how, I mean, were you, did you, had you seen that show before you got the part? Because it was a very, it's a very irreverent show. Absolutely. I had seen the show only a few times before I got the part. Um, it was at a point in my life where, it, which has been for a number of years, I'm not, I don't watch television. I watch very little, and we, and we my wife and I, we, um, you know, what do they call it? I cram watch. You know, we watch something on cable or on Netflix that we can watch all the way through in a short time. It's the way I have kids and a different lifestyle than I used to. So... Um, it's rare that I get to watch TV. That was one I always wanted to, and I knew that was uh, the, the the style, of the, the tone was right up my alley. I just did not uh, get a chance to. So I watched a lot more of it when I got the offer for the job. Those were guys that I auditioned for a different pilot that they were doing. They were doing this uh, very funny uh, uh, science fiction comedy, <laughs> and uh, and I, I got to read for them, and they were fans of the comeback. And Rob came up to me and said so, and it was, you know, months or a year later that they called and offered me this part of Bill Ponderosa. And luckily they keep having me back each season as that character, yeah. That must be great. I'm really thankful to those guys, and those are are genuinely uh, terrific uh, gentlemen, all of them. And Bill Ponderosa was Dee's old boyfriend? One of Dee's old boyfriends, correct. And and his sister, Maureen Ponderosa, was uh, Dennis's uh, old girlfriend from high school, yeah. And they just, you know, as, as they do, they just keep upping the stakes with those, up in the ante with those people. Every time we meet them, it's just more and more cartoonish, the, the, the characters that they become. Now, how does that work when they sit there and they uh, call you back? Like, is it just come out of the blue? <coughs> like, yeah, they, they, I mean, you... uh, I get a call from my manager who says they're doing another episode. Can we make this work with your schedule? And I'm usually available. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm usually available. And, uh, and fortunately, you know, I'm available. So Now, I want to go to the comeback. Now, the comeback was, you know, it, it was gone for a long time. Yeah. And I remember when it came on. Um, when you were getting the audition for that, was it, did you know it was going to be a good part in it? Or, and did you know it was with Lisa Kudrow? Or was it one of those things you didn't I did. Know? Lisa was a producer, so she was in the room when you first auditioned. But did you know producer. she was starring in it? Did you? Or did I you, did. Okay. I did. And I had the script and read the, the pilot script and was a fan, you know, of that style right away. I, I didn't know to the extent I was going to be a fan, but it had the tone that I already appreciated. Um, I was a huge fan of the British office at that time, you know, and uh, any of that uncomfortable stuff. And I'm a huge fan of, like, Larry Sanders' show and and any, any uh, good satire on the industry and any good um, uncomfortable comedy. Those are things that are in... Uh, you know, I my sensibilities, and I 
dug the show when I read it. So I was thrilled to be in the audition and get, go through the callback. Um, and it was the first time I'd done anything with HBO. So you go to the HBO uh, offices for the for the uh, big test and everything, and it's a little intimidating because it's HBO, and and they run you through the works and uh, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was incredible, and uh, I recall getting the. I, I remember when I got the call. It was on the Ten Highway, and I got the call that I got that part, and it uh, changed my life for sure. So you get the part, and you play the, the writer, director, the yeah, writer yeah. creator, and you're a drug addict. Yeah, and you're a jerk. Mm-hmm. It's like the theme today. I was talking because Mark Valley was on CSI where you played a creep. <laughs> yeah. Now you have this comedy well, background I have to do and the creep stuff. Yeah. Now, now, what is it like when they sit there and they go, you know, it? I would think as an actor. And because the comeback is a comedy, so bottom line is even if you're even if you're a jerk, no one's going to sit there because a lot of people didn't like her. I mean, when you watch the show, absolutely, you could She's sit there and to tolerate. Yeah, you, I mean, you sit there and you go, okay. And for me, as someone who has a you know comedy background, has written before, I'm I'm like on the writer director side because it's like you're absolutely you're being. It's like she's being in the first season. She's being a jerk, and the voice gets on you, and as as a and she wants to change everything. How is that for you to play that kind of role? It must be just do you do you sit there and go, this is just great because you you can just unleash. Yeah, no, I mean part of the uh, fun of that certainly <coughs> is that I can easily be sympathetic to to my character. He's a absolute jerk. He's a, he's definitely a creep, um, super flawed, uh, but so is she. And it is easy to uh, be intolerant of that person. <laughs> you know, she is. And especially ab- being in Hollywood, you understand that person even Absolutely. more. Absolutely. That person is uh, such a great uh, archetype of a, 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 something that exists in this town for sure. And she, uh, yeah, I, I, I certainly was sympathetic to Polly G. And plenty of people are, I think. I think that uh, and it was kind of polarizing, I think, too, in the first season that it was, um, it was a lot of men honestly, that uh, would say that they couldn't stand her and they were they understood why he was, you know, quietly and mysteriously, but so hateful to her. And um, it made sense to them. And women were more on, generally, on, on uh, Valerie's side. And I think as a credit to the writers and the genius of the show, um, she became a sympathetic character regardless of how grating that she was. And it was, uh, I mean, we, we rooted for her in the end. And it wasn't until the middle of the first season that people started to root for her. And uh, and I think that was a genius turn. And I think they're uh, attempting again with this season and, and pulling it off. And I'm anxious to see the last couple episodes that are coming up and see how people react to them, for sure. Now, you get that part, and it's, as you said, it's HBO. And yeah. HBO always has a lot of uh, luck with their series. Yeah. And you have... The star power of Lisa Kudrow is coming off Friends, yeah. big name. It the show got good reviews. Mm-hmm. What happened? I mean, what, what after that first season was it was it did, was it only going to be one season or did I they? Know, s- I can only speculate honestly, but there's a, there's a lot of speculation as to why. I know that. Um, oh, 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 that was awful. That's all right. Don't I, I can only speculate as to why it it ended, but I do know some of the factors that I, I heard that I think that are true. HBO was doing a lot of inside the business stuff at the time. Uh, and uh, one of the higher-ups uh, decided that they wanted to do less of those things. They had Curb Your Enthusiasm, and they had Entourage. Uh, Entourage and all that stuff. And this was another inside Hollywood thing. And Middle America wasn't watching it. That's for sure. That's That first season, Middle America didn't care for that show. <coughs> the, uh, the business, everybody in the business watched it, thankfully. But, um, but nobody else was, and so... Big Love came on instead of the comeback, you know. They wanted to do something that was more distant from Hollywood, which I, I kind of understand, but it but it uh, was <laughs> uh, devastating to all of us involved and, and, and obviously devastating to the fans who held on to it for that long and garnered a whole new fandom in a span of a decade enough to uh, have it uh, resurrect. Well, what's amazing is I know that when the show got canceled, of course you're bummed because it's a great, it's a great product. Yeah, and absolutely. And I'm working for HBO. I mean, that's like uh, that's the that's the uh, golden ticket there, right? But then for you, as you said, it must have been also the upside was it was watched by the industry, so people got to know you. Absolutely. And so I mean, that must that's regardless of of it not ever being canceled because people didn't because the numbers were poor. Everybody in in town watched it and. And most people liked it in regards to casting and producers and other actors. And that show begat 80% at least of the 
auditions and jobs that I got following that. I show. was I was going to say, did up you up until now? Did you notice a spike? I mean, right off like after it got canceled, did people sit there and go, "Hey, you know, it's like I had a guy who was on a doctor named Brad Carter who yeah. did uh, True Detective. You know, he had that one scene. Yes, and he said after that when he went out, people because everyone watched True Detective. He said, you know, even though the scene was one small role, he was an unknown when he got that, pretty much. Right. He said after that, when he walked into casting rooms, it was like he it was like he wasn't he didn't feel like he had a swagger, but the people who were sitting there were like, Oh my god, you're in that show. For you it's a matter of echelon, you, know, you 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 go up for sure because of its HBO and because of the quality of the show. And uh and, and certainly that it was such good such good right satire of the business that everybody's in out here. And uh, and so yeah, it got me an enormous amount of attention that I'm you know internally grateful for. It's still uh, and I'm 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 banking on this new season doing the same thing. I hope that it boosts my career and gives me more opportunity uh, again, I, uh, at least continued opportunity um, for things that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Well, after that show, I mean, as you look at your resume, you really you bounce back and forth from sitcom to drama. Yeah. Now, with a with a comedy background. It's rare that I get drama, frankly. I've done a couple things, and I'd prefer, I'd like to do, have more opportunity there, you know. I have an agent. My, my management company is Principato Young, and they deal uh, uh, only in uh, the comedy world, all their clients. Um, so I have a, and an agent as well to get me, to try to get me opportunity in the drama world and in uh, the film world and things like that, because uh, having Second City on your resume and the other stuff that I've done, it uh, it does keep you in the comedy world. It's hard to break into the other uh, veins of the business. Well, it seems like you've done some cool shows. You were in the United States of Tara, right? Which I I never saw, but everyone says it's a great show. It was, it was an, another offer because of the comeback. So so the, so how does that work? So they sit there and then someone sees you, and now do you do you, okay for let's say the United States of Tara? Yeah. You, do you have to go on an audition, or they just say we saw this guy, just cast him? We know this guy from this show. Can we cast? It's a smaller part, frankly. We know this guy. Can we cast him? It's not imperative. We, we think he'll knock it out of the park. I don't think we need to read him first. I think that happens all the time. That's what an offer is. You know, that's somebody that has enough work that people know that they're confident that you can do this role and without auditioning you. And uh, that is certainly enormously flattering as an actor. I never, I didn't have that until the comeback. And, and, and I've had a number of jobs that were offered to me. Um, and uh, I am, and that certainly has inflated my ego to a great Right. Deal. I can barely get these headphones on. I know. I swear I mean, to God, people. He was he was struggling. I was like, "What are you I doing?" Get, barely got through the door. I know. It's like I took a picture, and my head's not even in the picture. I'm like pushing out the side. It's just <laughs> it's just his head. It's crazy. It's enormous. So uh, so okay. Now you were in How I Met Your Mother, and I remember that episode. Yeah, you were, yeah. Because you you were all when Barney pulled all that stuff out. Now when you did you did you know what he was going to pull all that stuff out? Did you already know, or was that surprising you? Uh, no, that was a bit of a rehearsal, and he's, uh, and he's a delight, and, and I guess a, a uh, novice magician as well. He's like, yeah, he's on like the board at the Magic Castle. Yeah, 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 and uh, so we got to see all that stuff ahead of time, but uh, <laughs> that was a fun show to work on, and then I think another offer. It was a small role. It was, you know, I had a few lines as a security guard, and they saw me in the comeback and were pretty sure that I could... <coughs> I could handle that. Right. And so I didn't have to audition. And that, yeah, that's so neat that I, I get to do that. And you sure. did Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory was uh, very cool. I auditioned for that. Okay. I had read with, um, I was up for I was up for Mike and Molly with uh, against Billy, and uh, who's a guy that I had tested against through the years since I come out here. He's a terrific guy. Yeah, who are some of the guys? Because it's very I always... deserving. Billy Gardell is one of them that we were always in the room together. Right, because right, I, sure. I was talking to, uh, I always talk, there's a, Larry Poindexter's a character actor, and then uh, Spencer Garrett, they both are friends. But they're the same way, like, and like, and like, like Alan Ruck was on, who played Cameron, and they always say, yeah. there's certain guys you run into. You know, you, there's a certain guys that in your thing, you're always in the room. Who are the guys? So you're running against, with, you, you would run in with Gardell. Who are some yeah, of the other guys? Yeah, Gardell's in there. And it is fun because you go to, the, you see all these guys all the time. And mine is all the big guys. Right, I'm but you're a, not that big. I am, though. I mean, um, you're, I'm, not, you're not Gardell big. I'm not Gardell big. No, and I think that's what cost me that role. Okay, yeah, because she's big, and you need someone. <laughs> and, and I shouldn't say that because it didn't cost me because he's talented and, and phenomenal. I think that uh, he's very deserving of that. Um, and I was happy that that it was the two of us again up up for something and uh, uh, and thrilled for his success because we've been in the you know going at it for years together, and it was 
awesome to see one of uh, one of us get it. That, I see. Now, who are some of the other guys? And we, and we be and, and you love to go to auditions because it's always for a big guy or kind of a blue collar look, you know. And that's kind of my thing when I go out on auditions for general stuff. For uh, I often get the big the big guy, the blue collar kind of guy, right? And I see some of the same same dudes all the time. And uh, uh, well, I'm at a loss right now. But Billy Billy was one for a long time that we would test against each other and uh, and. Uh, and, and and it's kind of like going to the coffee shop, you know. You, you see these guys and they, hey, how's it going? And you and you BS <coughs> with these guys, and uh, and you know you're all in the same boat. And there's not a lot of. Uh, I've been in some auditions where it's a room full of actresses who are young, and it's uh, oh, you can cut the tension with a knife, and and they're playing games, and uh, and any conversation is, uh, you know, it's got so much behind it, and 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 with my community of uh, <laughs> actors that I get to see so much, it's. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to go and see the see the boys. Yeah, it's so it's great because yeah, 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 that's what and it's it's so funny because it's it breaks down that way. It's like you know like redheaded guys. You know you know they right wanted, right like, like this guy Steve. John DiMaggio. You know I run into him yeah, and things and, here and, and there. That, that's and, cool and, though because you guys it just must be cool because it's like oh okay yeah. or when you're going to an audition you're like okay I know I'm going to see one of these guys here. <laughs> right right and right. That, that's great though because plus you guys have all done well so it makes it easier. You know I'm sure there's one guy who hasn't got cast in anything and <laughs> you feel bad and you're like oh god he's here again. <laughs> hey. Just, I'm Hey, Sorry. how's it going? Yeah. You're not going to get yeah. it. Have you been in anything? No, <laughs> you beat me again. I mean, that's like you know, it must get it must get crazy. Now, uh, so so you, yeah, so you all you run into these guys, but Mike and Molly, it's but yeah, you're not big enough, I, and that, that's that's true. I mean, it, it's yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a fat guy for sure, and I'm I'm not a, not as big as Billy, and I think they had, they had a couple of us. They had a Hollywood version of fat, which was me and another lovely actress who wasn't really that that big, and then they had uh, <laughs> they had. Uh, the other two, and, and they were, you know, classic middle America, um, overweight, you know, and, and that's what the role was. It was like the new Roseanne. And I love that. I love seeing that. I was a big fan of Roseanne right. for that. And I come from a family of uh, overweight people. It's in my genes. We got some diabetes going on back there in the Midwest, and we have to watch it. You don't have diabetes, do you? I don't know, and I don't want it. But uh, but it, it does run in the family on both sides, and I have to be careful of my weight. You need to I, be. Absolutely. Because you don't want to get that. No, I don't want to get that. Do you, watch, do, you, do you watch what you eat? Do you eat a lot of vegetables? I actually am married to a chef. Okay. And I eat better than I ever have in my life. That's the thing is, because you're married to a chef, it's like, that must be so great. Because it's like, I'm married to an Italian girl. Not my, my girlfriend, not married to her. Yeah. And I I love it, but I have to watch my sodium. But like when she makes lasagna and stuff like that, it's so yeah, good. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. I can't eat too much of it because it's like, it's. but she, we get the load. Like she, she makes the homemade sauces. But mar- being married to a chef must be great because. She changed I, my life and being somebody that grew up, uh, you know, single guy and eating a, a, a classic uh, middle American diet um, and, and <coughs> the garbage and even the fast food and stuff that I grew up on. And to give give all that stuff up, and and once in a while she's cooking me these wonderful <laughs> things, and everybody says how lucky you are to be married to this person, and it's so true. But once in a while, I just want some crap. Right, I right. I just want to put some garbage in my mouth and enjoy it. You know, that's what I crave. Now, how's I that? Get, I get such quality food, and I crave garbage. It's, what, what's it's some of the garbage pathetic. you eat? What, what is some of the, like? I, I mean, because like me, I like cheesesteaks, but I don't eat them enough. I'll eat a cheesesteak any day of the week. You name it in regards to garbage. You know, and I got a couple of boys that we've grown up. We're trying to be healthier and watch our weight. and uh, But we would get together once in a while. And when we did, we'd go eat garbage, you know. It was uh, e- even even like the chain fast foods. Uh, there's a couple of things at Taco Bell that I can't deny, you know. It's disgusting, but I want it. I want it. I want it in my mouth and in my body. Well, it's like it's like Popeyes, man. I'll tell you, right. what, back, Popeyes back, yours? back when I could know, back when I could <laughs> right. eat crap, right. I would sit there and I would drive by and I always see Popeyes. It would say ninety nine <laughs> cent leg and thigh Tuesday. Yeah, baby. So I would sit there and go, you know what? I'm getting three if I don't eat it. It's like one time IKEA IKEA had a Swedish meatballs for ninety nine cents on sale. Right. I said, you know what? I'm gonna get two Absolutely. if I don't finish them. That's all right. They're only ninety nine cents, <laughs> and that's where the one I did comedy. You, you got you said junk food, and I can't eat junk food anymore. On the road and stuff. Oh yeah, because that's so what you tough, do. Yeah. But I'll tell you, man, my girlfriend doesn't eat junk food, and she she wants to try one of those Carl's Burgers. I actually got her to eat Popeyes and Tommy's on the same day. One oh, day. no kidding! I said you got to try this. I yeah. said you know, and she's like, all right, well, you know, I said Tommy's, you know. <laughs> yeah. and uh, she, I'm gonna get her to go to the Wiener Schnitzel. There actually, there's a place though. Like she loves hot dogs, but she doesn't eat them. She's a fitness freak. Right. There's a place in Burbank just open called the Dog House. Oh yes. It used to be a taco. I, I know it. Yeah. Have you ever eaten it? No. Okay. 
they put their hot dogs on a Hawaiian bun. Oh my god! Like the Hawaiian rolls are the best. Like that's like the best invent. I mean, I, we got them for Thanksgiving. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, I got I got the Scott Aioli. Scott Paoli. It was Scott. yeah. I'm sorry, Scott Paoli. <laughs> it was yeah. it was yeah. an aioli with white cheese, grilled onions, and crumpled uh, bacon. Oh my it was unbelievable. And of course, but it that's was. the stuff you eat. That and you go, wow. It's like with fast food. You know, hey, people can bitch about it. I'm going to tell you something. Well, first of all, the best cheeseburger. Yeah. The hell with In and Out. If you go to Del Taco, the Bacon Double Del. Is A lot the of best people best. say that it's the, the Bacon best. Double Del is one of the best fast food burgers you can get on the market. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you, I mean, it's crazy. So no, okay. So we're, 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 we're well, I know where I'm going now, though. This this <clears throat> have, have you never had? You know, the no, it's, it's right. It's I right here. Where I'm going for lunch. It's I, right I, on I, off, I, and they have some. they have hamburgers, but the hot dogs. Oh, it's amazing, and they, oh. they, they have a pastrami sausage, oh. like a sausage full of pastrami. Are we done here? Because I yeah, gotta, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I want to talk about now the comeback. Now now you're back on it. Now it, it gets canceled, and you think I'm sure you thought. That's a past. That's in my past. I mean, I'm sure. Oh, in, absolutely. In, 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 not, in no ever point in your mind, you thought you're going to get in a call to do the comeback. Certainly again. after a decade, right? I mean, it was 2005 that came it came. It was, yeah, and there was rumblings, you know, throughout the years early on. There was talk of uh, it doing like a Netflix thing, like a cable please going to pick it up and do another season. There was talk of a, a movie, even like a one-off little movie to revisit that thing, and there was. I think legitimate talk about it, and nothing that ever came to fruition, right? And so you, you you learn, you hear those things, and you get some hopes up, and you learn not to count your chickens when they're hatched. So when you get the call, you hear the rumblings that HBO might be interested in doing it again, and it's in the papers then and everything. And you still, I don't, you know, I haven't crossed my fingers yet. I want to wait till it's official. So uh, when I got that official call, I was, you know, I was floored and and, and <coughs> thrilled because it, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd given up on it and. Uh, and and it was fine because it because uh, of all the things that it brought me it couldn't have been better, and uh, this is uh, un, you know better than a dream come true to have it to have it come back and to have it be as good as I think it is. Uh, I think that they've um, I think that they're brilliant people and that have um, really up to stakes somehow from a show that would be hard to up to stakes for uh, the original and they've done well with it and and done just as well if not surpassed the original season. So as you, though, as you go, when you sit there and they call you and you're going to get it, did they tell you, oh, by the way, you've gone through a rehab? And yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Did they tell you that in advance so you, like, you're not going to be as caustic? Or I mean, For sure. I had, a, I had a meeting with Michael Patrick King beforehand. He called me into his office. Now, what's it like working with him? I mean, he's the guy behind Sex in the City. I yes, mean, that, he's I mean, one of the people behind Sex in the City. It was one of his babies. He's on Two Broke Girls now, and he's had a very long career as a writer and uh, actor as well. And in uh, worked on Murphy Brown. He's worked on, I mean, he's been in this business a long time and, uh, and, and successful. And now he's on Two Broke Girls, which is a... Enormous hit, right? Um, but he uh, he called me, and he's a fantastic director. He knows, especially with this show. This show was his baby. Him and Lisa put this show together, and and uh, he know uh, he knows every step what's what's happening. I trusted him completely with uh, anything that he asked me to do because I knew that he he had high stakes. He was not going to let this uh, not be good, and so I could trust anything he wanted to do. It was going to turn out, you know, and uh, and, I, and I think that it has. He, he he's uh, and he is very energetic and um, and uh, lovely to work with, and can give you the most devastating notes and and be able to feel okay about it. I, during this thing, he came up to me once and he said, "You've just made ten different choices in this scene, and they're all wrong." Okay. Now, 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 how do you? Now, how do you? T- I, mean, I said, I, okay. Well, tell me what to do then. What would you like to do? And then we go from there. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. Uh, it was good, and I trust him, and he was right. You know. Um, and it's not from some bitchy place or awful place. He's good. And again, I I knew that he he knew what he wanted, and I could trust that. <clears throat> So no, but were you ha- but when he called me in and to, to to talk about the character and what my character's arc was this season and how it was, I I just sat with my you know face in my hands listening to this brilliance because there was no notion the first season that Paulie G was uh, was shooting heroin right yeah because that's what I, I didn't I, have that as a backstory see, as an actor that first season yeah but it works yeah because what's funny you look is back at that season and it absolutely it works as well, that well, that, I, that was going on I think what's funny about it is. When you watch the when you watch it, and I watched the first two episodes of the season, and uh, I have to catch up on them. Just it's, it's in the it's in the uh, 
Yeah, yeah. DVR, but my girlfriend, my girlfriend didn't watch it because she didn't like Lisa Kudrow's voice mm-hmm. on it. So she's like, ah, she she watches so many shows. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I said, you know, I go upstairs, I watch that one. But uh, <laughs> my wife's the same. My, my, my wife's actually a fan, but she has to watch it like through her fingers, you know, yeah, and, and squeezing my cause, arms. Cause jo- so Joanne loved friends, so... but she's like, she's like, why is she talking like that? She's like, I loved Lisa Kudrow, but why is she talking like that? And uh, It's not Phoebe. But for me, yeah. <clears throat> when I watched it, and I think people who watched the first season, in all honesty, I don't really remember the whole first season. I remember you were a jerk. Yeah. But when they sit there and they say you were in heroin, then you sit there and you go, okay, maybe that's why. And so it, it's not one of those things where you lose a beat and you go, wait a second. You know, he was a, you know, you don't think about it. You just think, okay. You know, and then just, you think that's what he did. He had his problem. It's years later. Right. So for you though, so you have to come and subdue the first few episodes. What's that like? <coughs> I mean, it was, uh, it gave a, you know, the first season, frankly, honestly, I was pulling faces, man, and it worked. You know, I remember having that first season having lines that were cut during the, during the shoot, and I'd be all insecure, like, am I not doing that right? Or why are they cutting lines? You know, all the actors do that when you get anything that's uh, cut. And they would come to me and say, no, it's working better without the words are too much. It's too cartoonish. The looks are working. You know, just the glares and the and the scowls. That that stuff is and that's what I did. And it and it worked really well and it gave it <coughs> and it gave it but it was all mystery in the mystery of why I was doing that worked really well, but that it wasn't uh, too complex, frankly. And this season uh the character certainly has more backstory, is more complex. And so there was a lot to take into this uh this time. I had a lot more to work with, frankly, and um and yeah, you go in and be more subdued because I know what's going on. There's more layers, for certainly for Paulie G. He has uh, he has a lot of motivation. This is his comeback, you know. This is his introduction after being ten years out and in rehab twice. This is his comeback, to right? Show business. He's just as de- desperate as Valerie Cherish ever was, and he is gone through. He's gone through his twelve step, right? He's that guy. Right. So he's got that. You got that in your character to, to work with as well. He's he's trying to do he's trying to make a change in his life legitimately to some degree. And underneath all that, he hasn't evolved a bit probably. He's still a prick. Right. You know. Now, what was it like though when when you're sitting there on the first season on the set because you were just a dick to Valerie? Yeah. What's it like off like when you deal with her offset? I mean, I'm sure you guys drop character, but do you sit there and just do you try to keep that just that a little bit of spite and dislike just to, to make it work because it's it's not like you're sitting there going okay you like you get in an argument and then you walk away and you make it up here you have to be jerks to each other the whole time and what's what's the like offset yeah it hasn't been it's not necessary to maintain that at least not it wasn't for us and uh yeah, mostly it's it's laughs and because of the pace of the show and the schedule that we had it was it wasn't a lot of <laughs> frankly a lot of downtime to uh yuck it up uh but uh uh, it's easy to get to when you when you are shooting, especially when again when she's so phenomenal, she is so grating, and that character is so easy to get there and be disgusted with her. You know the way it's written and the way she performs it. It's not a it's not a challenge to uh, convey that you are just, you know uh, can't stand that person ultimately. So um, so in between, and she's a delightfully funny and bright person, and her professionalism is. Uh, second to none, and she, um, she blows me away with the amount of work that she had to do on that show. Lisa, she's in every scene, and she she learns her lines in the makeup chair before she does the scene. I mean, it, she's incredible. She has so much work to do, and the choices she makes, she's uh, she's a phenomenal talent, and uh, it was a pleasure to work with. And also, there was a, because she had so much on her plate. I, she she she's not bothered a lot between scenes, <laughs> as a matter of respect, and uh, understood that she needs uh, she's got a lot to do. So, um, but she she's uh, very dry. I love her sense of humor. Uh, she is capable of making a person maybe wonder if she's kidding or not. It's okay. that kind of sense of humor, and I and I love that. You know. Uh, and I had nothing but uh, good things to say about her. Now, is it just one season this is on, or do you know? Or they... I have no idea what they're going to do. You know, I think that uh, I think if the show goes, without giving anything away, I think if the show continues beyond this season, it'll be a very different show from what it's been these, these, these two seasons. Um, and uh, I certainly wouldn't hate to see it continue, but I, I came, excuse me, I came to a place with the first season where I, I was 
happy with the way you know like the british office did that they ended everything in two seasons and did a special and they were done and they left it with quality and i i i took it as that we left the show as a quality thing we didn't give the opportunity to screw it up and there was some nerves about doing another season because you do have an opportunity especially after all that time to screw something up that people right love of so course much. and so I'm, I'm glad that they didn't <laughs> so far they have not they have really pulled it off and um and if they want to do it again, that's another gamble. Uh, but I would be in that same place where I would be thrilled to just leave it where it is as well if it doesn't continue as, uh, as, a, as a lovely piece of work that stands on its own. Now, you also you did Bob's Burgers. You did a voice. Yeah. Now, is that something? You, is that your first voice gig? Let me tell you something. I did Bob's Burgers because, no, I have a voiceover agent. For the first time about a year or two ago, I, I was offered one. They saw me on a TV show, and they heard me on a TV show and, and called me in. I had been trying to get into the voice racket for a long time, and I never, I could just never could get in. I never got representation. And finally somebody called me. My kid and uh, Lauren Bouchard's kid go to school together. We are friendly people and uh lauren offered me to do a little role on that show that's honestly how that happened it's the nepotism of hollywood right? yeah, that's good though and it's who you know and that was the case for that one and i was thrilled because i'm a fan of uh i'm a fan of uh, bob's burgers i love the tone of that show i like all i mean i'm a simpsons guy and i i love uh family guy and all that stuff but it's uh all been <coughs> that style of comedy has been going on for so long it was i think that uh, bob's burgers uh, pace and tone is a breath of fresh air in the uh, in the uh, animated comedy world. We have a few minutes left. Yeah, uh, what else is coming up for you? What uh, what do you know? Are you, are you going to audition a lot or any, any? Buddy, I don't know. You know, I'm still like I said earlier today. I'm a working actor, so I'm. If anybody's got anything they want me to do, they come come a knocking because. I, like I said, I hope that this brings me into a, uh, gives me some momentum for whatever kind of pilot season is coming up, and that I have some opportunity there that uh, people watch the show and they want to get me in the room because I'm a little bit hot right now, and I and I'll and hopefully land something. I'm in the uh, I'm in the world of television, and I'm just plugging away still. I'm glad to have this behind me though. Is everything shot? I mean, the seasons, the comeback's all done. Comeback is done. We we wrapped back in July. Yeah, and so uh, I've had some work since then, and and I did another Always Sunny. We can look forward to next season, and uh, and I hope uh, I hope it just continues like it's been. How about the movies? You ever you ever you were in Gangster Squad, right? Yeah, another thing where uh, I know the director, and he offered me a small part to work for a day. Well, it's been great though. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a huge set. It was a huge Hollywood set with a million people, and it was so cool to be on something like that. What's that like? Because yeah. as a kid, you know, I know you watch a lot of TV, but just when you sit there and we talked about Warner Brothers and all that, I mean, what's right. that like to walk on? This set, and you know who's you know Sean Penn's in it. I mean, right. people the people associated with that show. We're in this big field, you know, up somewhere uh, halfway up the one hundred and one in, in in you know horse country, and we're in this giant field, and there's all these trailers and people dressed like in it's a period piece, right? And plus, it's a Hollywood piece, and so everybody was dressed like. Uh, Hollywood extras of the 1940s or whatever, right? And I'm in an Indian costume, and it's just, it looked like old Hollywood, right? It, like like you'd see it on, on the lots and everything. There's the gladiator, and there's the this, and there's the that. And it was kind of magical. It was it was really cool, and I was uh, really appreciative that he uh, asked me to be there, for sure. Do you ever go out for all movies? Too good? I do, but you know, I have, rep like I said, I have rep representation in as uh, from an agency to hopefully get me more opportunity in drama, because I don't get that much. And in film, and uh, I want to get to know some more of those casting directors. Television, comedy casting directors know me, and I know them, and I've been very, uh, very lucky and blessed to uh, get into those rooms and keep going into those rooms. But I, I, I do hope to get to meet some more and get relationships with more casting directors in film because I, uh, I don't have that opportunity yet. As much as I'd like. I want to thank you for coming on. Steve, thank you. You're a delight. Now, how is your... Uh, are you on social media? What's, what's your social media presence? It's none do, of your do, business. Do you tweet? I do. You know what? HBO asked me to tweet. I never tweeted before, and they asked you to tweet for the show. Social media is such a... Do big... you live tweet? I kind of... No, during during the show. Really. No. During the show, they ask you to. They come, and they give you little things that you can do. I retweet some things during the show, and I'll say I'm about to watch the show on my on my Twitter page, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it for the same reason probably everybody does. I get a little... Uh, I get some flattering compliments during the 
uh, you know. What's your Twitter? What is it? It's Lance B is Pauly G. Lance B is Chili. So people follow him on Twitter and uh, yeah, watch the comeback. Watch the comeback, and uh, you can watch it. You know, it's it's all, and you watch it on demand. Watch it, whatever. Just watch it. You Just know? watch it for crying out loud. And so yeah, people. So uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Also, if you want to send me an email, it's Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Go to my website. There's over 300 episodes up there. <clears throat> CooperTalk.net is my website. Uh, Twitter. I mean, not Twitter. Stitcher and iTunes. Cooper Talk. One word, and you'll find all my episodes up there, too. Also, um, next week, we have the very funny Wendy Liebman. We have the very funny Greg Byrne. And we have an actress who was in the show, Rescue Me, which was one of my favorite shows. She played Dennis Leary's wife. We have Andrea Roth. So listen to that. And uh, to all my Jewish friends out there, uh, have a great Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. It starts, uh, it starts today. You got the eight days, the festival of lights. So go out, enjoy yourself. Uh, and don't drink and drive, because, you know, it's not a good time to get popped because then your holidays ruined and that's not good. Anyway, remember, I'm losing my voice now. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, take your vegetables, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great day, and I'll talk to you next week.